I, I just finished my soup and it was pretty right. hot, so I burned okay. my mouth. Ah, okay. And while I was eating it, I, I, I was kind of suspecting uh, that uh, uh, two hobbits uh, could enter my room at any time to throw in a, a magical <laughs> ring in it. It's Friday, February 18th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Lijsttrekker of Forum for BBB. <laughs> and with me today is Gordon Derek, contributing editor at Dutch News, and Rita Verdonkstalker. I think, was she there actually or not? No, she wasn't there. No, she wasn't oh. actually there. Um, I, I was, uh, I know what this refers to. I, I was on, out on uh, Richard Moss's battle bus in The Hague for my sins. Because is that something he calls it a, a battle bus? I don't or know if he calls it a battle it bus. It, it's more of a. I mean, it's a thing you don't see so much in Dutch elections. Politicians going around on a big bus, um, no, and uh, doing their campaign, uh, like yeah, on. Uh, the, 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 that's a very common thing in British elections, and they call them battle buses. And every party has one. And they uh. go up and down the country. And de, Richard de Moss has latched onto this concept. So he goes around the Hague in a big, old um, sort of uh, service bus. He was telling me about it. I think he said they, they tried various ones. They had a, they had a double decker last time, but that broke down mm. surprisingly. Ah. And he said he couldn't manage to get the engine parts from Britain. But that's the only place where you can <laughs> no. get parts for double decker buses. And why buses. is that? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? What, 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 what could have happened to make it more difficult to to buy and sell things and transport them from the UK? Anyway, so so, so, he, had, so he got rid of that bus and he got a new one, which is like an old 1970s uh, style um, bus, mm. just a Dutch bus. But it was used for it was used for the judging at now what was it? Yeah, some kind of like a rally event or something or. Yeah, uh, or, so, or some kind of very, very local community competition. So it was also set up with a, um, uh, with like a little um, kitchen and a kettle and a, yeah, and everything okay. you need to sort of go out on the on a road tour. So it was quite All quite right. a bizarre spectacle. Yeah, yeah. and uh, d- does he have any dubious claims on the side of his bus? No, he doesn't. He hasn't put any th- oh. any claims about healthcare yeah, on the bus. No, uh, there might be some dubious <laughs> claims in the bus or being made by the people in the bus, but uh, yeah, <laughs> you haven't checked that one. I haven't okay. checked that one out. No, but he, he also yeah, and his bus is always um, he has an entourage. Um, uh, some go in the bus and some go in a stretch limo, which is all decked out in Coupe de Moss colours as well. So is it okay? It's not a pink stretch limo. No, it's I, green and I imagine I, yeah, it's I, a... I imagine that would be their 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 uh, preferred uh, color. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember. Um, oh, and Rita Verdonk is the number two. Well, of course, but she wasn't there. Yeah, so, which is yeah, what you're referring to. But so. she wasn't on board the bus or in the limo. She must have been uh, actually doing some actual work. I don't know. But uh, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she was finding a home in The Hague because I don't think she lives there uh, at the moment. Quite you possibly. have to be there. Yeah. Well, if the, you the, are well the, that, that's interesting coast. to say that because uh, yeah, Richard de Moss is saying that the the, the, the that um, the, the the housing crisis and the fact that people can't have to wait um, uh, seven or eight years to get a house in some suburbs was the, his main issue. So I don't know if she'll be able to get a house in The Hague in time for the election. Uh, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember when I was on the road, uh, yeah, a, a year ago, and I uh, passed a very shabby 
almost uh, not roadworthy camper. And I was like, why Why does it have the Denk logo, logo on it? <laughs> so w- while I passed it, I, I looked at who was driving it, and it was uh, Tunan Kusu mm. who was actually driving it. <laughs> so they also had a battle bus, but it was a very, um, yeah, uh, 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 a battle camper. Right. That's basically what they <laughs> were driving. Run, yeah. run down, yeah, b- battle, uh, uh, battle van. You also have a local elections-themed title because you were the trekker lice trekker of uh <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a good one yeah. we should rem- i should remember that one and yeah. steal it uh, on twitter you should um, you will now. I, I, yeah i think you will <laughs> no i was uh, uh well I, I wasn't actually looking at these kind of things but uh i, I saw uh, you know in the netherlands you have these uh pre-printed um uh, campaign how do you call that billboard mm-hmm. uh at the the municipality provides that so that you don't have i think uh, election uh, campaign posters you know spread around the city you just have it on one organized place yeah. uh, and i saw a photo of that of uh, i believe it was Heerenveen. yes it was Heerenveen, yeah. a city in uh, in uh, friesland mm-hmm. and i noticed that there was one poster <laughs> that just uh, uh, had a local party on it which was called forum for bay 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 and i imagined that this guy because because it was a single single person uh, candidate list mm. so it is literally only one guy uh, on this list uh, he was probably thinking who should i who's a fame whose who's well-known name should I copy? Is yeah. it either Forum for Democracy or Bay Bay Bay, the uh, sort of uh, 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 the party of Caroline van der Plas that's uh, becoming more and more popular? Mm. Uh, and I imagined that he was he couldn't make a decision, so he, he just he just thought let's do both. Yeah. Let's just call it Forum for Bay Bay Bay, and it actually stands for <laughs> Boeren, Burger, and Bedrijfjes. Right. Uh, BBB, the, 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 the Tweede Kamer Party, stands for Boer Burger Beweging, yeah. the Farmer Civilian Farmer movement, Citizens Movement, yeah. something like yeah. that. And he called it uh, Farmer Civilians, uh, yeah, Little Companies. And businesses, I what yes. His, <laughs> what his thought process was there. I was curious and I wanted to see uh, 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 what his party program looked like. So I went to his website, but it was uh, it was offline. So yeah, oh. it's, uh, he has to uh, he has some work to do, I think. Yeah, maybe this just means we've officially reached saturation point now with so many Dutch political parties <laughs> that there isn't room for a new one. You just have to like fuse. You just have to pick two or three from the list and try and sort of bundle them together. You know, like you end up with like sort of Jesus, Leeft and Dink or something like that. Or- <laughs> Jesus yeah. denkt, yeah, that's yeah. probably yeah, a new Jesus probably denkt, new yeah, name. or for or forum for fault Nidau. I can literally just mix and match yeah. to get you. Yeah. Yeah, but remember when uh, when Henk Kroll started his latest party, it was the Partij voor de Toekomst, yeah. and that name was already in existence. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he had to uh, he had to ask the person who uh, who, who started <laughs> the first party if he could uh, if he could use that name, which turned out to be a comedian. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, had he actually um, had he created this party as a joke, the Partij voor de Toekomst? The first one created the party as a joke. Yeah. yeah. And the irony here is that this comedian won more votes the first time he uh, participated in the, in the election with his fake party, with his comedy party, yeah. than Hank Cole did in the latest. Yeah. So, um, yeah, painful, painful irony. Here. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there was also a party, wasn't there, in the elections, or, or somebody put, put forward a list, um, I think, at the last uh, provincial elections of the neat stemmers, the non-voters. Yeah. So you could actually yeah. cast your yeah. vote to abstain. <laughs> and now I come to think of it, um, Rita Verdonk, yeah. 
when she started her party after she left the VVD, or actually was kicked out of the VVD, yeah. uh, her party was named Trots op Nederland, and that name was also taken. So she also had to change, officially change the name of her party to, to Ton, which is the abbreviation of the name. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, what, what you say. You 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 say we are, we we reached the the saturation point, but we already did many years ago. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I, I also like the fact that Partij for the Toekomst uh, didn't live very long. No. <laughs> Party had no, of no future. future. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, all of this talk of uh, yes, just uh, strangely named uh, uh, individuals uh, doesn't sort of lead us on to the op of the week. Not really, but anyway, well, not uh, really. It's time to reveal tried. what is the op of the week. <laughs> yeah, the op of the week comes from Amsterdam, where Dutch singer and celebrity Glennis Grace was arrested with her 15-year-old son for assaulting and threatening employees of a supermarket. American listeners might be familiar with her name. Uh, Glennis Grace was a finalist of TV talent show American Got Talent in 2019 where she basically did a um, um, uh, Whitney Houston uh, impression. Mm. On Tuesday, Glennis's son had lighted a cigarette in the middle of the supermarket. Uh, employees approached him to tell him that smoking isn't allowed in the supermarket and asked him to uh, put the cigarette out. And that led to a fight. Uh, and when the son uh, returned home slightly injured, uh, his mother went to the supermarket in anger for clarification. Glennis Grace didn't go alone, but she brought several others, which in turn also led to a fight. Employees pressed a special alarm button, prompting a quick response from the police and that button is usually only pressed in very threatening situations so uh, yeah the the fight was uh, pretty serious uh, apparently um, the group were arrested and holding custody for three days and that's uh, pretty remarkable given that the son was only 15 years old so yeah they usually um, uh, uh, don't take a minor so long into custody so again that shows how serious the police thought it was um, they were released on Tuesday evening and rumors have it that she demanded a special VIP treatment from the police um, her son as a minor was offered to be brought home in order to, to shield him from the media but Glennis demanded this for herself as well <laughs> And in an Instagram post, Glennis Grace denied all the allegations, but the police officially suspects her, her son and another man of assault, uh, several other types of assaults, which I, uh, <laughs> I'm not an expert enough to know the, 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 the exact legal differences between them. But there were several assault yeah. claims and also conspiracy, because after <laughs> all, they, um, yeah, she, uh, she rounded up a group of people to, uh, to go to the supermarket. Yeah, to go to the supermarket and attack the staff. So, yeah, pretty alarming stuff. Yeah, this whole, the, the, this Dutch phrase, openlijk geweldpleging, we're trying to work out how to render it in English. Yeah. We sort of came up somewhere between <laughs> a fray, violent disorder, public assault, and another yeah, various other things um yeah um, i'm not I'm, I'm not sure if there's a an english equivalent of that but uh, if we find one we will uh, we will let you know yeah um and the interesting thing here is that glennis grace also served as one of the the voice coaches ah. so um yet another one that uh, you know had some trouble with the law in uh, in recent times and uh yes another sc- uh, scandal to emerge from uh, the voice although not as serious as the uh, as the other ones but uh no, and there was also a fourth one, uh, Lil Kleiner, also a judge on The Voice. He was also uh, arrested this week. Also, f- uh, much, much, much more serious crime. He um, uh, or allegation he uh, assaulted his girlfriend in the middle of the street uh, on several occasions. So yeah, it's um, it's not a good time to be a uh, The Voice. Uh, 
uh, coach, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, not good times in the uh, celebrity land. I, 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 I love the detail that uh, Glennis Grace demanded a VIP treatment at the police station. I mean, did she want some flowers in her cell, or like uh, you know, so, so, yeah, well, someone to bring her a bottle of bring her uh, bring her a bottle of champagne? What, was, what did she expect? <laughs> she wanted to have a police blue uh, M and M's. Yeah, when I saw the headline, I thought this is probably what she what she demanded. But uh, uh, it turned out that she just wanted to be brought home with her son i guess oh. so uh, it wasn't it wasn't that serious but uh, um, um um you know these kind of headlines uh, result in all path and uh, that is after all what we are discussing exactly yeah, so it, it, yeah obviously <laughs> predictably social media erupted about the whole thing yeah yeah, yeah. This week, virtually all corona restrictions were lifted by Health Minister Ernst Kuipers, much to the relief of Brabant. We hear about the power struggle in the pan-European party Volt. Brexit turns out to be a huge success. Who the hell are these Dudley and Eunice everybody keeps talking about? And how did the Netherlands do in Tokyo? And what were squirrels up to in The Hague? February the 25th has already been dubbed Freedom Day by the Dutch media after the government brought forward its plans to scrap nearly all the pandemic restrictions by the end of the month. Health Minister Ernst Kaupers, or Lord Voldemort as he's uh, more commonly known, <laughs> told a press conference that only two measures would be left after next Friday, testing for events for more than 500 people without seats and face masks in public transport and on planes. Oh, and you'll need a negative test before you enter the country because dirty foreigners can still spread the virus, apparently. <laughs> it just seems bizarre. That's the one restriction that they're keeping when I think the World Health Organization have said that uh, you know restrictions on travel were about the least effective thing that governments brought in. Is that uh, isn't this just because in other countries you you still have this as well? That's um, that they're just trying to 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 stay in line with. Uh, I guess with it's other, a European Union thing, countries. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You still have to take a negative test if you arrive from uh, yeah outside the EU. Because yeah, the European Union seems to think there's still a pandemic on. Crazy. <laughs> but uh, Enskauper said he was confident of lifting restrictions because the peak of the Omicron wave appeared to be behind us, and despite the high infection levels, hospital admissions were stable. He said. He then produced a chart which showed that hospital admissions, or rather hospital occupancy, has in fact gone up by 50% since the end of January, but let's keep quiet about that. <laughs> he also said that from now on, the government would try to keep things open as much as possible. We miss sports, we yearn for culture, and nightlife is an important part of a healthy society. And we're immediate, and we're, the good news is, we're lifting the restrictions just in time for that cultural milestone that is Carnival. So. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to it. I'm sure you are. Yeah. Well, what do they call Rosendale again during carnival season? De la Petana Stadt. Ah, the, the water stadt? And a De la Petana Stadt. And a De la is, um, is a type of bird. And if you use the French name of that yeah. and uh, pronounce it with a heavy Brabant accent, then you get De la Petane. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Strutler Kerpers said um, that although Carnival was on, he, he said everyone had to be very careful and uh, you know, not uh, you know, not go out if you're infected and just show general restraint, which of course is something that um, uh, people wearing lion costumes and drinking uh, uh, liters of lager are, are famously known for. But anyway, I can't see how this <laughs> at can least it, at least some of them will be wearing masks. Yes, they will, but uh, I'm not sure they will be um, uh, actually those masks will be that effective at keeping the virus out. We shall see. It, nope. Yeah, I just remember that two years ago was Carnival not sort of identified as the big super spreader events right at the start of the pandemic. So I guess it's appropriate yeah, it was, that we it, celebrate it, the end with uh, with a repeat. Exactly. Yeah. 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 
was definitely the the event. Um, the, the first Corona case in the Netherlands was someone who uh, had gone to Carnaval in Tilburg. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, in the months afterwards, I think uh, uh, Brabant was indeed the most heaviest hit uh, province in the Netherlands uh, in terms of infections and deaths and uh, whatnot. So, yeah, you are right. It was probably a, a super spreading event. And um, a year later, that was also the case yeah. because we also uh, had lifted a lot of restrictions um, or, or actually, did we? We no, it was OPEF because uh, Carnival was uh, celebrated despite the restrictions, right? I think if what I happened correctly. was uh, some, was it, I think Carnival was celebrated in Limburg, but not in Brabant or the other way around. I think one province had uh, kind of relaxed restrictions or wasn't um, enforcing them and the other one was. Can't really remember. I'm, it I'm feels sure there like was some kind of very very I'm sure there's some kind of dispute in Boxmere. That's all I can remember. But then <laughs> that just might keep an every, everyday yeah, life there. in Boxmere. I'm not sure. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Kaupers also warned that the disease will continue to have an impact on the elderly and vulnerable. So he said people should still keep their distance, wear masks, and take self tests before they visit people who are at high risk. So, can you tell us what exactly is going to change? Yeah, so very briefly, we have a full rundown on the Dutch News website if anyone wants to, to check out the details. But um, the work from home, home rule will be um, relaxed so that uh, you only have to work from home half the time, if you can. Uh, obviously, or if you're a train driver, because we'll come on to later, trains aren't running, uh, are only running for half the day at the moment. Uh, for different reasons. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's, there's no longer any limit to how many guests you can have at home either, the four-person limit. Uh, again, these weren't actual hard and fast rules, they were just guidance, but uh, they've yeah. officially now been uh, done away with. Um, so you can have more than four people in your house with a clear conscience. Uh, from this Friday, the 18th, the late-night closing time will be extended from 10 o'clock to 1 in the morning. There'll be no limit to the numbers of students in lecture theatres, and the isolation time after a positive test, which is currently seven days, is going to be cut to five days. And from next Friday, normal closing times of return. So nightclubs will be able to reopen at long last, uh, first time since uh, Dunson met Janssen. Again, can't see anything going wrong there at all. And uh, social distancing will end. And the coronavirus pass will no longer be needed. But if you're going to a nightclub or a concert venue or anywhere that's got more than 500 people who aren't sitting down, then you will have to have proof of a negative test. All right. And uh, if you want to have the full rundown uh, of the, all the rules and everything that has changed, uh, you can go to dutchnews.nl. We will have a link in the liner notes and you can uh, find it uh, there, all in English. Yep. Um, so I assume everybody is happy now. No, they're all oh. they're, they're, they're all pissed off. The, the events organizers <laughs> uh, said the new testing rules for people going to large venues was unfair and disproportionate and set too high a threshold for customers. Uh, our favorite spokesman, Robert Willemsen, uh, for the catering trade organization uh, KHN, Koninklijke uh, Hoika Nederland, he warned that people will continue hosting illegal parties instead of going to nightclubs. And that's a terrible idea that people would just buy alcohol and uh, drink it at home rather than go out and spend a fortune on it in uh, in, in one of his uh, uh, members' uh, uh, establishments. Uh, the travel trade body INVR welcomed the change to the official travel advice because uh, from now on uh, coronavirus infections are no longer going to be the basis of whether or not you should go somewhere. But they said the need to test before coming home would put people off. And the train operator, NS, was upset that people will still need to wear face masks on trains. We can't explain this to customers anymore, wailed rail chief Marian Rintel, even though they've kind of been explaining it to people for the last year and a half without too much bother. Yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's not much explaining to do, right? You have to no. wear it when you are on the train, and that's the explanation you need. Congratulations, um, Paul! I think you've just got the job of communication head of communications at the NS. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I will try to go to Utrecht tomorrow, but uh, I, I don't think uh, I will be able to. The head of the trade union, uh, CNF, Pete Fortown, said the end of working from home was good news for many workers who like to congregate around the coffee machine. Because uh, apparently that's what you do when you go to the office rather than actually working, which tells you everything you need to know, I think, about the Dutch attitude to work. <laughs> Calm down, Ben Coates. <laughs> uh, which is a healthy thing in general, I should add. Okay. And it was also a pretty shocking report this week into the early days of the pandemic uh, that came out, right? Uh, yes. Talk of Dutch work ethics brings us neatly onto Jeroen Dijsselbloem um, and uh, his, the, the, he of the wine and women uh, comparisons <laughs> with uh, If you're from Spain, Spain or Italy, Italy you will uh, remember his name. <laughs> yes, or from Greece. Yeah, I don't or know. from Greece, yeah. yeah. I imagine there are still voodoo dolls of Jeroen Dijsselbloem being sold around Southern Europe, uh, along with uh, with ones of Vodka Hoekstra. Jeroen uh, Dijsselbloem, uh, these days, the former uh, finance minister and head of the Eurogroup, is now chair of the Dutch Safety Board, the OFEFE, which is working on three reports into the coronavirus crisis. The first one came out on Wednesday and sent shockwaves through The Hague. Yofefe said the Netherlands was unprepared for the pandemic when it hit, and the cabinet focused too much on the situation in hospitals to the detriment of places like nursing homes, which led to a silent disaster, um, in yeah. the words of the Yofefe. Uh, around half the deaths from coronavirus in 2020 were in care institutions, um, and that was partly because there wasn't enough uh, protective equipment uh, going around, and what there was all went to the hospitals. Uh, and, uh, this is before Sivert uh, came in and saved everybody with yeah. his uh, face masks that uh, nobody ever actually wore so, yeah. but um, Dyselbloom was also sharply critical of the decision making process which was slow, fragmented and cumbersome and he said there was no clear distinction between the role of scientists and politicians and that meant that uh, ministers tended to meddle with the advice being issued by the outbreak management team while government advisors undermined decisions taken by politicians so one example he gave was Jat von Dissel saying the decision to introduce face masks even though it was later than in nearly all other countries surrounding the Netherlands, was a political decision and not based on science. Uh, this report hasn't gone down at all well in The Hague. The former health minister, Hugo de Jonge, responded to an earlier draft in December when he accused the OFFA of being wise after the event and not taking into account the pressure of social anxiety, shortage of time and lack of equipment that he was working under, uh, and just his general lack of competence as well, I think. Uh. Yeah, um, yeah, and it was it's also always pretty awkward and strange to see because uh, you know this report came out uh, who do you think of when you hear this uh, uh, you know this criticism uh, on, on 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 the on the tackling of of the pandemic you think of Hugo de Jonge so all the journalists immediately uh, were running towards him and asking all sorts of questions mm. but Hugo de Jonge is no longer health minister he is now the minister of housing yeah. and that means that he's no longer responsible for this topic even though you know he is the one who was uh, the most involved in 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 the entire story, yeah. uh, but uh, he's uh, not allowed to uh, to uh, to answer uh, any questions anymore. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's strange. And he also um, you know diverted all the journalists. He he, he told them uh, you you need to be at the health minister and not me. But yeah, it's um, 
It's strange. Yeah, it is strange. He said, "Yeah, you need to speak to my successor." So um, I wonder if, um, yeah, yeah. There were definite kind of signs of, I think, worry, anxiety, maybe not quite panic at the ministry because, of course, there is a there will be a public inquiry at some stage, and then De Jong will be held accountable for what happened during the first days of the pandemic. But for now, he can bat it off and say, "I'm housing minister now. Nothing to do with me." It'd be kind of weird if Ernst Cowper's. Uh, ends up having to resign over the mistakes that Hugo de Jong made uh, during his term as health minister, but that's kind of the way it works, isn't it? That uh, that's the that's the way it works, and it's uh, it, it it might even be a possible scenario. Yeah. Anyway, Dyson Bloom said the criticism by de Jong was factually untrue because Yofefe had been collecting evidence throughout the pandemic. They didn't just compile his report after the event. And there's also uh, one other piece of news to say about coronavirus, which is to do with um, vaccination. Because we've we've um, we mentioned, uh, I think, a week or two ago, that people who'd had the Janssen vaccine couldn't get um, a booster or couldn't get a third jab, and that was a problem because uh, if you want to travel to France or Germany, they insist you've had three vaccine doses. Uh, and Ernst Kaufmann has said now he is going to look at that situation. <clears throat> yeah, although he also warned that because the booster campaign started in December. Uh, once again, later than just about anywhere else. Uh, and you can't get your booster shot until three months after your second dose. No one's going to be able to have their... Uh, you know, all these people who had Janssen won't be able to get another uh, another dose uh, until March. So if you're planning on a skiing holiday and you had your Janssen vaccine, then I'm afraid it's, uh, it's no go. Yeah, I had my booster shot uh, January 6th. So yeah, it's uh, I, I'm gonna have to wait uh, till April, I think, for yeah, a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, I uh, wasn't planning on visiting Germany anyway, so uh. there you are. That's, or France? No, but you can still go skiing in Belgium, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It appears to be a trend to accuse politicians of overstepping boundaries, and this week it was Volt MP Nilofer Gundogan's turn uh, in the first major crisis of the new pan-European party um, that won three seats in the last year's elections. Uh, On Sunday, the party released a statement saying that Gundogan was suspended following an investigation into several claims that she may have overstepped boundaries. Um, She still remains an MP, but will not take part in uh, party activities, debates or campaign events, the statement said. The party refused to say what the allegations exactly entailed, but said it had brought in outside experts to look into the claims. The statement also said no further comments would be made until the investigation was concluded, but the party later clarified the allegations were not uh, of a sexual nature, but had to do with her professional behavior towards staff members and party aides. Gunugan told the Volkskrant uh, the the next day she had no idea what she had been accused of. Adding to the mystery, it was unclear on what grounds Gunogan's suspension was made, because constitutionally an MP cannot be suspended, not even by his or her own party. Gunogan is an MP that focuses on defense, finance and education, and she's also one of the loudest voices speaking out against the behavior of uh, Forum for Democracy MPs in Parliament. She told News recently that her run-ins with the Forum MPs has led to threats against her life, both on social media and in real life so mm. yeah 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 she's, yeah she's really been under fire in the last um yeah, couple of months and then this is a uh, i think um so, so what did uh, nilufa gundawan have to say about these allegations 
Yeah, she uh, released a statement on uh, on Tuesday on Twitter, and uh, she said that she had hired a lawyer. So uh, yeah, everything is going well, I think. Mm, uh, she regrets the course of events, which she describes as a nightmare, and that she is convinced the party is acting disproportionately in suspending her. Uh, she felt she needed to respond because the party refused to clarify the allegations, and she added that she regrets it if people have felt unsafe because of her way of working. She still believes in the party's program and principles and intends to stay on as an people vote but admits the recent threats that were made against her have made her reconsider uh, if being a politician is really worth it um, uh, uh, it's a kind of strange because on the one hand she says I have no idea uh, what they can possibly suspend me for and and on the other hand she says it's clearly an, o- an exaggeration mm. so yeah um, uh, s- seemingly admitting that she might know what what is going on here um, what is what is clear though is that the whole communication of the Volt party is a mess yeah. um, uh, uh, this news came out out of the blue on Sunday mm. um, um, and they basically had a one line statement uh, 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 and at the end we're not going to comment any further and then you know that resulted in so much um, uh, speculation uh, on the media side that they, they were forced to uh, clarify um uh, uh, what was actually happening mm. but that clarification was so vague that <laughs> that led to even more uh, questions and on top of that after they said that she uh, uh, both the Volt Party and Gunogan were not going to comment any further Gunogan commented that she yep. didn't know what was going on <laughs> and yeah it was it, it was complete it mess. was absolute chaos yeah and uh, she um, this news came out as you say on Sunday and then she said I think in a statement on uh, Tuesday that she, she'd asked for she'd asked the party leadership for clarification and said can I have it by you know nine o'clock tomorrow morning and it didn't appear and that was the point when she decided to come out with the statement even though the party said that they'd suspended her not just from uh, being an MP and for, from uh, being their spokesman but also suspended her from from commenting or from or, or from using Twitter and it's far from clear that she actually have any right to suspend her from any of these these activities Um, so it's all a complete mess and yet yeah we don't yeah she claims not to know anything about what the allegations are and then she says it's an overreaction by the party she also sort of said seems to be hinting I think that um, that that she was um, you know she was very overstressed because of this abuse she'd been receiving yeah. on social media and in real life and you know on email and of course the the, the very sharp clashes she'd had the confrontations she would had in Parliament with Forum for Democracy where uh, I think Clidion Fermer and stood up and said he was he was proud of Forum for Democracy supporters for abusing her online basically yeah so it was all yeah. very ugly and strange and uh, yeah very and and when Lars Dassen the leader of Fault came out and uh, tried to and, and and spoke in parliament he just repeated uh, the line that everyone's unsatisfied with and then walked away yeah and <laughs> so then thinking that would did, be enough did you see what happened then <laughs> did you see what happened next what happened next uh, he uh, so he he, uh, he he had spoken to the journalists and he wanted to you know flee away from them because they re- re- still had a couple of questions. You remember? I do remember now. Yes. No, and then he, he 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 tried to go through the security gate and it didn't recognize his face. No. 
so we had to wait for minutes for for at least three minutes until the the, the system worked and recognized him and the gates opened and until then he was just ignoring all the journalists yeah. who were asking him all these questions yeah. it was a very glorious sight it's a fantastically awkward yeah. moment doesn't it but it yeah. just kind of summarized yeah. the whole sort of complete there is literally sort of yeah. information vacuum around this uh, story and, but somebody on um, on Twitter I think it was uh, Emine Uyo to give her the, her due um, pointed out that um, when all this um, uh, the, 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 this discussion was going round about uh, Gundogan having this abuse on uh, from uh, Freedom for Democracy supporters um, Dasson was completely silent about it he, he said nothing he didn't come out and speak out in support of her it was actually leaders of other parties who came out and uh, said yes this kind of behaviour has to stop so that yeah. maybe so tells you something about the relationship within fault between uh between its mps it doesn't seem like a happy ship no and but but she, but she still intends to remain an mp but how is that going to work i mean if you see how how uh, uh how this saga is unfolding uh how can you return to a normal uh yeah, yeah how can you go back to a party with, uh, that has accused you of um uh you know inappropriate behavior i mean if, because and if, handling it in such a way if, if, if you have behaved inappropriately then you can't really be expected to carry on if you're cleared then how could you still carry on representing the party that has um yeah that, that has brought out these accusations before it's actually investigated them properly it's very yeah. weird um, and meanwhile, on the same subject, uh, Tveda Kama chairman Ferro Bergkamp has sent a letter to all the uh, leaders of the parties. Right. Yeah, we, we just discussed how uh, some MPs are, um, um, are talking to uh, one another in the plenary chamber. Uh, and uh, this has led to criticism on Ferro Bergkamp uh, because, uh, because of the way she handles uh, the debates. And yeah. Um, yeah, she has written a letter to all the, the faction leaders saying that from now on she will uh, lead the debates much stricter than she has done until now. Mm. Uh, from now on, calling each other names will not be tolerated anymore, so uh, we will not hear the word idiot or knettergek anymore in the plenary chamber. Um, she has spoken to all faction leaders except uh, PVV leader Geert Wilders. He refused to uh, 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 accept her invitation. Um, and yeah, you just see this this uh, increasingly worsening atmosphere in the Tweede Kamer, right? Mm. And uh, these rising tensions between MPs, especially on the side of the PVV and Forum for Democracy. Well, let's be honest, um, it's just all really those two parties and um, yeah. yeah, effectively yeah. The, the driving yeah, this. Yeah. She didn't name them, but it was clear that she was she, uh, she actually meant them. Mm. Um, for example, Wilders attacked someone outside the Tweede Kamer. Uh, forum uh, MPs threatened another MP with tribunals and called on people to break the law. Uh, and as you said, uh, uh, you also had that incident with Gideon van Meijeren, who said he was proud that um, uh, voters of his party were abusing another MP online. Mm. Um, so yeah, very serious uh, uh, um, uh, stuff there. And Bergkamp said uh, that you know she doesn't have she doesn't feel she has the tools to step in and uh, they need a debate among MPs uh, in order to establish a new set of boundaries and norms that she can uh, apply th mm. from then on and that debate was uh, initially sp scheduled on Thursday but uh, it was postponed because uh, Bergkamp has tested positive with coronavirus this week so uh, huh. we will have that debate next week yeah uh, it's, it's funny how this, uh, the, the old set of boundaries and norms uh, seem to work okay for Kadir Arib I'm not saying it was flawless when she was in charge, no, but there was, not, there, there was definitely much. There weren't so many of these, uh, you know, escalating incidents. Uh, she seemed no, to find a way right. to um, to defuse them. That's right, but I also feel like that um, uh, you know the. 
the temperature in, 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 in society uh, about coronavirus, about the restrictions, were less hot um, uh, when uh, Kadisha Arip was still an MP. And you really see that Forum for, Demo for Democracy has developed into you know an, an, an even more unreasonable, part, unreasonable party than they already were. So yeah, it's it's just uh, it's it's kind of hard to 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 put the blame entirely on Vera Bergkamp. It's also because you know these MPs do not behave yeah. because of the way their party works. And um, yeah, so um, um, it's it's not easy. No, no, that's perfectly fair. You have to trust people to behave like adults, and it's kind of just disappointing yeah, when they don't. They, you know, the, 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 some MPs uh, choose quite deliberately choose not to. So it does put her in a very awkward position. The Netherlands economy grew by 4.8% in 2021, thanks to all those hard-working, productive people. Yay. The highest rates well since done, 1998. <laughs> uh, a stronger-than-expected last quarter, despite the lockdown in December, allowed the country to recover fully from the 3.8% slump during the pandemic year of 2020. The statistics agency, CBS, said the growth was mainly due to the recovery of trade and government investment, uh, including, obviously, coronavirus uh, uh, spending and um, uh, support for businesses who couldn't, uh, who couldn't do their business. But consumer spending is still lagging around 3% behind the level of 2019, and not all sectors saw growth last year. The catering and hospitality trade, which, of course, was hit hard by the lockdown closures, was still 30% below its pre-pandemic uh, performance. Um, and there's also a problem in the jobs market, right? Yeah, there is, um, but not the kind of problem we usually have in the jobs market. Uh, the problem this time is that there aren't enough people available to fill all the vacancies. Hmm. So it's the reverse of unemployment, basically negative unemployment. Yeah. The CBS chief economist, Peter Hein van Mulligen, called it an unprecedented situation. More than 70% of people aged between 18 and 75 have a paid job. And at the moment, there are 105 vacancies for every 100 candidates. So it's very much a uh, buyer's market at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Van Mulliken said the figure is going up every month and we'll just have to get used to it. Again, the hospitality industry has felt the impact more than most. A lot of bar and restaurant staff took jobs in, with the local health service, for example, and haven't gone back. But business services, that's things like office cleaners and trade, also took a hit. Van Mulliken said the pandemic had only had an incidental impact because the a number of people with a permanent job has been growing for some time. We already mentioned the B word. We did. Um, but I think you also have some Brexit news as well, right? Yeah, we've had a Brexit bonus. Uh, oh. Good news, because Brexit has, as as promised, prompted more than 100 companies to relocate and generated thousands of new jobs, just like uh, the people who <laughs> campaigned for Brexit said uh, would happen. But there's just one snag. Uh, and what's that? Uh, all these companies and uh, jobs are in the Netherlands. So, <laughs> so, so not in the UK. No, no these, these are jobs and businesses that have been exported uh, after Brexit. Ah. And uh, the Dutch Foreign Investment Agency, FIA, helped 423 companies altogether uh, set up shop or expand their operations last year. Now, the largest number was 106 from the USA, but in second place was Britain with 74, which obviously is a much smaller place than the USA. Yeah. Uh, in the Amsterdam area alone, 24 companies said Brexit was their main reason for moving. And another hundred are said to be considering making the trip across the North Sea. In the six years since the UK voted to leave the European Union, 169 firms have left because of Brexit, taking 6,139 jobs with them. So, you were promised sunlit uplands, you got cloudy, wet flatlands. But with nice cycle paths and, That's right. and a positive yeah. work ethic as well. 
and you have Ben Coates back. Yes, exactly. So mm. yeah, everyone will be delighted by that. If you're fresh off the boat from Brexitania and this podcast is helping you to sort your croquetin from your cup salon, why not help us in return by becoming a Patreon sponsor? With the support of our patrons, we're able to keep producing these weekly podcasts covering everything you need to know about elections, the coronavirus pandemic, Olympic skaters and squirrel bridges. All will be revealed. As well as our unmissable OPEF of the week slot. We give all new patrons a free shout out to say thank you very much as well as the opportunity to ask us a question or just give us a virtual pat on the back, which is always nice. So if you'd like to celebrate Freedom Day next weekend by sending a dollar or a euro our way, log on to www.patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash dutchnewsnl before the next lockdown breezes in. Storm Dudley brought down trees and caused problems on the roads and railways overnight, and more wind is on the way, weather forecasters say. Meteorological Institute KNMI issued a code yellow warning for the storm. In Duiven, near Arnhem, a police officer was taken to hospital after being hit by part of a roof that was blown off an office building. Two people had to be freed from their car after a tree was brought down in Maasluis. Uh, they were taken to a hospital but uh, are not thought to be seriously injured. Fewer intercity train services operate between Zaandam and Alkmaar, and there were delays on the A12 motorway heading for The Hague for a time because of a fallen tree. Several vaccination locations were also closed due to the storm, and in Friesland several high-voltage lines snapped. Uh, the wind died down on Thursday, but will be back again on Friday afternoon when Storm Eunice moves in from the southwest. Uh, storm Eunice is expected to be worse to be the worst storm of the year so far, with winds up to 130 kilometers an hour in coastal areas. Meteorologists warn that the storms will be even worse than ne- last year's Storm Kiara. Mm. Since when did we start naming these storms, uh, actually? I can't remember. This is quite a recent thing, isn't it, naming storms? Yeah, I think so, too. Certainly, the media have not been using names of storms, I think, uh, for the last, uh, yeah, this was two or three years. Yeah, I think so, um, too. Yeah, something that's blown over from America, I guess. uh, (laughs) Yeah, we want to name the hurricanes for quite a long time. There there wasn't a year where they actually ran out of names of hurricanes, because obviously you go through the alphabet... And once they had 26 hurricanes, they had to sort of start improvising. They had to, uh, they had to use next next year's list. Uh, I don't know, I had to go back to A or something. Uh, well, they alternate, don't they? Yeah. So they? Well, I thought they did. They alternated between men's and women's names. But then if you've got Dudley followed by Eunice, then I don't know how that works. Um, and, um, yeah, this is uh, breaking news uh, yeah. because the Dutch Railways, uh, as we are recording, just announced that uh, they are uh, suspending uh, all train services starting on Friday uh, at uh, 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the rest of the day because yeah. of the storm. So hopefully, uh, uh, as you are listening, um, uh, this is not news and you already uh, you, you checked your uh, reis planner in advance and you, you knew sure that this that, was going yeah. to happen. Yeah. So I hope this is not news to you. Um, but otherwise, uh, yeah, good luck. Well, because, I, hope you're not, uh, I hope you're not listening to this on a train at quarter to two and expecting <laughs> 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 and not realizing that it's about to stop in the, in the middle yeah, of uh, the, flavor, uh, middle of the flavor boulder. Yeah, <laughs> or even worse, Lage Zwalu or something. Yeah, <laughs> be awful. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder what places people are going to end up in when the trains suddenly stop running at two o'clock. Yeah. Anyway, so so yeah, but yeah, are, are they actually stopping because of the storm, or are they stopping because they just can't explain to passengers that they need to put their face masks on? So I think that <laughs> seems like a bigger challenge to the NS than you know 130 kilometer per hour winds. 
Well, I think the the NS would should start uh, explaining why they keep fucking things up. Um, um, they also have a hard time explaining that, I have to say. Yeah. But uh, you know, we we have this storm, and they just give up in advance, right? They're not even going to try yeah. to run a train. I mean, uh, of course, there's going to be trouble, but you know, you they have they have plans for that. Yeah, you know, it would be a nightmare, uh, of course. Uh, you know, because if people are stuck on trains at two o'clock, they're not moving, and they try to find out what's wrong. Of course, the Wi-Fi won't be working, so they won't be no. able to. <laughs> they won't be able to. Uh, yeah, they won't so, be so, able to access that. They won't be able to get yeah. onto the internet. Yeah. Yeah, an Olympic-sized fuck-up. I think they will win the gold <laughs> medal for that. Yeah. The Dutch Olympic team took their medal haul to six golds, five silver, and four bronze medals this week. Susanna Skilting finished the short track program with four medals, gold, silver and bronze in the individual events and another gold in the relay. After defending her 1000m title, she missed out on silver in the 1500m by three one-thousandths of a second to her nemesis Italy's Ariana Fontana. Um, we also saw the final Olympic appearance after 16 years by the great Irene Wurst. She finished a creditable sixth in the 1,000 metres. It's not a strings event, and she's got a gold medal from the 1,500 already. Uh, Jutta Leerdam took silver in that event to delight her legions of fans on Instagram, and Antoinette de Jong came in fifth. But uh, disappointment for the men's team. Uh, they failed to win a medal in the team pursuit for the first time ever, um, and a lot of uh, recriminations after that that uh, Sven Kramer was too old. Basically, I think uh, seems to be the consensus among the commentators, and shouldn't have gone mm. to the Olympics. But uh, anyway, uh, that wasn't the great end to his career. Having it has to be said, won th- one, uh, th- you know, three gold medals uh, in his previous Olympics. So yeah, you can understand. And he qualified for this year's Olympics, so he was he was well enough when he qualified. So yeah, yeah. he did. But didn't they have this sort of insane matrix system where they had to because they were only allowed to take nine male skaters? across the for, for the ah. whole team they had to work out who was most likely to win medals because obviously they had to, so they had to leave out people who might have won medals in the 500 meters there was a guy called Daidain Tub who was fast enough ah. to yeah who was a, who was a very um promising 500 meter sprinter but he was left behind because they basically decided even though he qualified and even through this incredibly uh, complicated um, sort of cold craft plancher system they have basically to <laughs> nation to work league out, system <laughs> yeah to, to work yeah. out who should um, yeah, who was best placed to win medals they left him behind uh, and took Sven Kramer who then sort of finished I think about fifth in his individual race and fourth in the relay so yeah uh, anyway it's one of these things right everyone just as when the football comes on and um, and the pandemic everyone's got an opinion you know suddenly we turn yeah. into a nation of 17 and a half million skating coaches yeah so uh, anyway, so the, that that was that, and also the, the women's team uh, did um, uh, manage to make up a bit by taking a bronze medal in their team pursuit event, um, and also uh, poor old uh, we have to mention again poor old Shinky Knecht, who once again yeah. uh, managed to come away from the Olympics without a medal, um, which is possibly his last Olympics now. But uh, the yeah. the men's relay team finished, I think, second in the B final, so they finished uh, seventh overall. Uh, they, they couldn't even win the consolation of the B final, so yeah. Yeah, that's a it's a pretty it's an anticlimactic uh, story for uh, Shinky Knecht because of everything that happened to him. Uh, everyone really, you know, hoped that he would win a medal. Uh, yeah, uh, and yeah, that's uh, it's very unfortunate that that didn't happen. Yeah, I was genuinely sad for him because you know he was uh, yeah. you know, I think having gone to three Olympic games I think and he's come at his total haul as a silver and a bronze and yeah you know, it's not really reflective of what a good skater he is. 
Yeah. Uh, still opportunities for medals in the men's thousand meters with Thomas Cole and Kai Fabai on Friday, and the mass start events on Saturday, which is uh, otherwise known as speed skating gets exciting because it is actually a, <laughs> it's actually a race with you know twelve yeah. skaters on the track at the same time rather than just going yeah. round and round in pairs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm still not going to watch it though. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd rather spend my time sitting next to a squirrel bridge, counting the squirrels passing it. What you mean is you'd rather spend your time sitting on a train that's not moving, unable to get on the internet, <laughs> and watching squirrels run over your head on a squirrel bridge that cost uh, 150,000 euros. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that brings us to the next uh, story. It does, for, although we've, we've in a very it, creative way the, after the, the, the other medals, but uh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Nine years after the Hague spent one hundred fifty thousand euros on a bridge to allow squirrels to cross a motorway, the animals finally seems to have started using it. The bridge was built in 2012 to allow the squirrels a safe route across the N44 motorway. That's a busy road connecting The Hague with uh, Wassenaar. Wildlife cameras at the entrances of the bridge showed that in the first three years, only five squirrels actually used it, uh, which caused a, a small upheaval in The Hague and countless of questions from local councillors. However, this year the cameras have shown that at least 263 squirrels crossed the bridge, as well as uh, 170 pine martens, which I didn't know. Uh, I, I didn't know that was a type of animal, mm -hmm. and it is uh, apparently an endangered species. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, urban ecologist Esther Vogelaar, which uh, prob she probably has the best name imaginable. That's, for that a, is definitely a case of uh, nominative determinism, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, she told uh, Omroep West that uh, it has taken uh, a while, but the movement clearly shows that the bridge has become part of the animal's habitat. Uh, the bridge is especially used in the autumn when squirrels are preparing for hibernation. Uh, and uh, she says, we can finally say, uh, we can finally declare the bridge a big success. Yeah, and she's very excited because they said they had a picture of uh, three pine martens on the bridge at the same time, which at apparently the same was time, yeah, unprecedented. Yeah. Also, they said that pine martens and the squirrels tend to avoid each other on the bridge because uh, the, the pine martens is a natural predator for the squirrel. So, hmm. um, yeah, so uh, we haven't had any bloodbaths on the bridge yet, but uh, <laughs> uh, that, that, that I think is going to be the next op hef. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and they can make a, a movie out of it and call it a a, a bridge too far number two. <laughs> Yeah, fighting over a bridge. Yeah, I mean, imagine whose job would it be to 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 check the CCTV camera yeah. footage, right? To to count the squirrels and yeah. for the first, what is it, eight years, uh, counting basically not a single animal. So yeah, it's yeah, um, the, 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 and then there probably will be an Amtenar somewhere whose job it is just yeah. to go and check the camera every day and write a report, you know, just saying no squirrels and send, send it <laughs> off in an email to sort of thirty of his colleagues. And they probably have a, they probably have a meeting every two every week as well, like a weekly meeting with coffee and tiny biscuits, where they where they discuss the fact that no squirrels across the bridge. But anyway, I think that one hundred fifty thousand euros is probably much higher the actual costs, right? Yeah. Yeah, probably. But when you add in maintenance, when you factor in maintenance costs as well, which there must be, so. That's uh, all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us now on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and give yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to uh, Gordon Derek. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week. Music.